I'm so excited to introduce Adam Carpenter to you this morning. Um, there are a lot of reasons why you should listen to him today. Um, this young man has been walking with the Lord for a lot of years. He's been in youth ministry for 15 years. He's been at Lake Sam, a part of this family, for eight. He's been on our youth ministry team for about eight years. Um, Josh and I were the youth pastors when he came, and so he served with us for a number of years, and now he is in the core leadership that leads our youth ministry here at Lake Sam. He is on the district, Foursquare District Youth Ministry Camp team. So he is actually camp pastor this year for um, high school camp or junior high camp high school camp. Um, just there are so many reasons. He's um, taken a theology class at Northwest U and is hoping to do more coming up here soon. And just he has a heart to learn and, and to serve. And so there are many great reasons to listen to him. I, however, have a deeper reason, and I wanted to share that with you today. When he first came to, um, to Lake Sam and wanted to get involved with the youth group, Josh and I noticed that he was hurting, uh, limping, really hurting. And my first response was, he is not going to be with our youth. We don't want him working with our youth until he's healed of whatever is going on. Um, and then when we prayed about it, I felt like the Lord said to me, take him on your team and invest in him wholeheartedly. So we did. Um, and as things came up, just at, in his journey, things would come up, we would sit down with him and talk through, it's time to grow, it's time to heal, it's time to move on. Can I tell you, we had some really hard conversations, Josh and Adam and I. And every time, Adam took humility in his heart, listened for what the Lord was saying, and accepted all kinds of correction, admonishment. I mean, I can't, well, the stories that we could talk about, right, Adam? And I feel like um, there is no other um, person that I have watched more be humble before the Lord, wanting to walk in wholeness and healing and to know his God and to walk it out. Um, his wife is a phenomenal woman of God and we're neighbors, so we get to share lives. Our kids are kind of the same age, so we are living life with them. And I'm telling you, this guy can hear from the Lord and he has a heart to walk out the word of God in his life. So today, pull out your pens. You're going to want to take notes. Um, we're really blessed to have this opportunity that one of our sons, isn't he all of our sons? Um, he's going to bring the word, a word from the Lord to us today. Isn't that exciting? So as he comes up, can we pray together for him? Would you mind? Stretch out your hands to our Adam. Father God, I just thank you for Adam. I thank you that you um, designed him, formed him. You chose him to be born for this generation, for this time. Father, what a good plan. I thank you for him. Bless his humble heart. Lord, just honor him. Um, fill his life with your goodness more and more, God, and just bless him now. God, calm his nerves. Fill his mind with your word. In Jesus' name. All right. Now that I'm crying, I don't have to throw up, so that's good. Um, I need to do one of the either this morning, so I got that out of the way. Thank you, Justine. I appreciate that. Well, good morning. How are we? Who's nervous? Thanks, Maureen. Appreciate that. Would have expected that from Greg, but that's, that's fine. <laughs> I'm nervous, too. A um, couple quick things. I just want to say thank you um, for allowing me to be here. Um, Kurt, thank you. I 
take that pain pill now if you're, we'll get, we'll get through this together, you and I. But uh, I appreciate his willingness to let me be up here. Um, I want to thank my parents and my grandmother who came. Um, this would be interesting. They're going to find out some stuff in my life for the first time. So um, luckily I can't meet with them afterwards. So that's going to be, that's going to be good. Uh, and uh, my little geek thing, if you are on Twitter, um, will you just tweet during this uh, using the hashtag Lake Sam? Um, things you like, things you don't like, my outfit, my hair, I don't care. But I'd love to just have a conversation and see what, what you guys thought about the sermon. Will's already, oh man, thanks Will. Uh, Kevin, do not, uh, <laughs> Kevin's going to try to interrupt me during this though. And anyways, hashtag Lake Sam, and I'd love to hear what you're saying. So, all right. We are in our series. Here we go, Jesse. Now I'm nervous about this clicker thing. You're right. I'm done. Je Jesus saves. That's it. No. Look at that. First slide. I'm ready. I'm ready. Good to go. So we're in our series, Empowered. Um, we've had an amazing. I've loved this uh, sermon series. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, hearing Kurt's heart, heart behind it, and then just walking through this time where he hasn't been available, and we're getting to hear from. Um, this church body, and, and really having the body of Christ happen. Um, for those of you maybe who haven't been here, uh, Jerry Cook was here a while ago, and oh man, everything that he said, I was, yep. Um, but one thing he said was interesting to me is, um, just say what God tells you. And I just love the simple freedom in that. Um, then, then I think the next week, after he preached a couple weeks, Justine gave what I think is the most poignant message so far in the sermon series, on Simeon, and leaning in as a body. Um, and, and really finding out what the Holy Spirit is saying. And uh, who's next? JJ? JJ talked about not limiting God to a box and letting the Holy Spirit operate outside of that. Uh, Justin preached again on just finding God in, in the ordinary day life and, and those Holy Spirit moments. And then I love Jesse's last week, just what if I don't hear God? And we had some great exercises uh, during that sermon, which I appreciated, and I learned some German uh, as well. So that was... <laughs> That was fun. If you guys weren't here, please watch Jesse's message. It's hilarious. But through this whole thing, I, I, I want to offer um, a viewpoint uh, from me and see if it resonates with any of you. And that is, what if we heard God once and then the line went dead? Did he lose our number? Does he not speak? Where'd he go? And that's what I want to talk about today is where he went. So, as Kurt would say, I'm going to have Eric Lee pray for the sermon. Um, Eric is amazing. First of all, he's married to Tamara. So plus one for Eric on that. Uh, I get to serve That's with Tamara on the youth steering team. And, but uh, Eric, um, Eric is awesome. Uh, he and I are, I'm going to call it a twofold. We meet for lunch every other week. And I get to listen to this husband, this father, this man. And I, we get to share life together. And I have learned an incredible amount from him. On, on how to be those things, how to be a good husband, how to be a good father. And we share our failures together and our successes. And I'm very uh, grateful for your friendship. And so would you please pray for me, uh, the sermon, and lift up another church. God, I uh, thank you for Adam. I thank you for his faithfulness. Uh, I have been so uh, impressed and inspired to watch him over the years be faithful. He is just always there. I pray that you would bless him. And for the message today, God, I pray that you would speak through him, that he would decrease and you would increase, God. That we would hear your words 
through his lips, that you would give him confidence and calm and grace, and he would just be oozing Jesus out of every pore this morning. Um, God, I, as I was talking to the halls this week, the church in Zambia is just really on my mind. Uh, I pray that you would be with all of the Christians there as they're struggling uh, in, in such a difficult situation, feeling like they're going backwards in a lot of ways. But uh, I pray that you would give them your strength and your blessing. Amen. Thank you, Eric. So I grew up, I was lucky. I grew up in a really good Christian home. I had parents and grandparents that loved the Lord um, that instilled that faith very early in me. I did everything from Royal Rangers. Anyone know what Royal Rangers is? Yeah. I think I got up to Straight Arrow or something, and then we moved. Um, <laughs> I really loved it. Come on. I loved it. Uh, Royal Rangers. I did youth group, uh, Sunday school. I was on this Bible quiz team thing. I don't know if I never got to compete, though, so I, I read the cards, but I never competed, so I'm really not sure what happened there. Um, my dad was my youth pastor for a while at one point. That was kind of weird, um, <laughs> just having your dad there. And, um, but, but I had that. I had those experiences. Um, I got to be part of the Marysville Revival uh, with Benny Perez up in, up in Marysville, if you've heard of that. I got to experience that weekly, and that was incredible. And so I had these foundations that, was, that were put in me. When I was about 17 or 18, I was at a church in Edmonds, and I had this really cool Scottish youth pastor. Uh, he was an evangelist and became our youth pastor. And he wrote a book. It's called Bill Hogg's Excellent Guide to Prayer. That should tell you how cool he is. Some of those, you get that reference. And uh, when the book came out, he wanted to take us on a retreat. And so uh, a bunch of my friends were going. Uh, there was a girl I thought was kind of cute. She was going. And I was like, well, I'm going to sign up. You know, this isn't her retreat. My, not my kind of thing, but I, I want to go. And so he takes us out to this peninsula, this camp, and, you know, the first night you do the worship and the games and you have fun. And the next morning he says, all right, team, uh, we're going to go out and do a prayer walk. He's like, just go out by yourselves. Go in the woods. You can walk down to the beach. Just don't talk to anyone, but spend some time with God. No problem. For 30 to 45 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so I headed down to the beach, and people went this way, and I kind of went this way. And I'm walking along. And, uh, yeah, I'm praying. Like, I'm a Christian. I can do this. I can pray. But eventually, I just run out of things to talk about. And so, like any teenage boy, I start skipping rocks, you know. And uh, I'm skipping rocks. And I go down to pick up a rock. And uh, in the, where I reach, there's a, a snail shell, a little twisty shell. And I looked at it, and I thought, well, that's cool. And then something cool happened. I heard a voice say, I know, Adam. I made that. And I whipped around like nobody near me. And, and looking back on it now, it occurred to me something Jesse said last week. It was like an internal voice, like a speaker was inside my body. And because I didn't say that out loud. And the voice spoke again. He said, Adam, I made that for you to find this weekend. Do you see that water out there? You see those mountains? I made that for you. Well, I ran back up to the lodge, and I was like, ah, oh, you're not going to believe what happened. And me, the pastor, was like, yeah, you heard God. Isn't that awesome? And that began a fun journey for me. A couple years later, that cute girl, we got married. And uh, at 20, oof, don't get married early. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> wait till you're like 30, ladies, 30, somewhere in there. Can I get an amen, parents? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Dad. 
Uh, so we got married, and we did, we, you know, started our life together. Um, definitely its ups and downs, um, church moves, and out-of-state moves, and job changes, and, and um, at one point, um, things got hard, and we actually separated for a year, and spent some time just in restoration with the pastor, and, and after a year, we moved back in, and things were going great. Um, I can't speak for her, but I can say that I definitely wasn't the best person I could be. I wasn't the best husband, um, the best man I could be. And one day, she sat me down on the couch, and she said, um, I'd like a divorce. And that's final. And my life fell apart. The rejection of another person, um, the sadness I felt, I, I just can't describe that. Um, I tried to go about my life, uh, went to work, went home, drank a lot more. Uh, the normal. Um, I just began to wither, really withdraw. I tried to stay plugged in at my church in the youth ministry I was in. Um, I just couldn't. It wasn't, I wasn't given my best um, as a leader. Um, my friends, I started to not hang out with some of them. Um, and if you know me, I love people. Like, I love to hang out with people. And so that definitely wasn't an atom. Um, that should be. Eventually, I just got tired being sad, and so I got angry. I was angry at her. I, w I was angry at God. I mean, why didn't he stop it? He could have. He just could have said, hey, stop it <laughs> and come back together, and he didn't. Um, about the anger phase, I was like, you know what, God, I'm done, I think. And so I left my church. Um, I pretty much left most of my close friends, with the exception of a couple. I started um, getting into inappropriate relationships with girls. Because if I didn't get into a relationship, they couldn't hurt me. Meanwhile, hiding this from my family and my friends. I had a friend, Jenny, though, who stood by me through this time. And, and we would talk often about it. And one day she invited me to her college group here at Lake Sam. And I'm pretty sure I said no the first time, just because I wasn't ready to go back. But she persisted, and finally I came one day. And I remember walking into the house where they had this college group. And one of the first faces I see is Stephanie Lees. And she actually served at a house in Mexico when I went on a mission trip a couple years ago. And then I turned and went in the living room, and there's Troy Smith sitting on the couch. And Troy had led worship at the training. And I look back on that now, and I feel like God's saying, here. Here. So during that time, I kept going back and kept going back. And a cool thing happened community. People that wanted to be my friend. I wasn't the divorce guy. I wasn't the hurting guy. I wasn't the guy that did bad things. I was just Adam. And they found me funny sometimes. They made fun of me sometimes. <laughs> but, but I had friends again. And so then I started coming on Sunday morning and I came here to Lake Sam. I remember this didn't exist. We were actually still facing this way. That's how long ago it was. We had just moved in. And I found a church that everyone was so friendly and a place that maybe I could heal up a little bit. And one day, God just kind of gave me that, that passion to want to get involved in youth ministry. And so as Justine says, I came to them and talked to them, and I was broken, hurting. My leadership skills sucked probably at the time. But man, God had a plan for me. He asked Justine to invest in me. And so for, for the next couple years, that's what we did. We had lots of meetings together. Like she said, it wasn't easy. But I really enjoyed that time. 
I think, during this time of healing, which still continues. I'm just still not a complete person. And that's what I love about God is he's not just finished, and then he goes on with somebody else, but he's always um, doing that. During this time of healing, um, God spoke to me again several times. And really over the course um, of this time is he's shown me the obstacles in my life that really prevented me and took me off course from hearing his voice. And I want to share some of those with you today. And um, just So grab your Bibles. Troy just texted me. <laughs> you made fun of me, Troy. All right, grab your Bibles. Um, can I say real quick, I love Justine's uh, heart for filling the pages. Um, I just have a heart for swiping. So... <laughs> So if you have an iPad or an iPhone, amen, amen. Thank you, Apple. Pull that out, and uh, we'll go through this together. Is that okay, Justin? Swiping? I know. All right. Let's see if I can do this again. Psalm 23.1. I can hear the grumble. Psalm 23, really? We all learned it in Sunday school. We all know it. There's probably non-Christians that have it memorized. But what's cool is I think God doesn't write scripture for a specific time, but we can always learn from every piece of scripture. So Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Speed bump. The Lord is my what? Shepherd? I'm not an animal. What, is that? what does that even mean? Uh, who grew up on a ranch here in the room? Anybody? Ranch, farm? Yeah? I grew up, you did? Eric, how have we never shared that? Oh. Well, I, gr- I grew up in the, uh, on a golf course community in Harbor Point, so couldn't really, couldn't really get further away from a ranch. Um, but I want to talk to you about shepherds for a minute. Most of us think of shepherds as this Bible character, you know, that you see on a big, uh, thank you, staff. You know, long cloak, and they just shepherd. Um, but things work a little bit differently. Uh, these days. This is shepherding in the Western world. They train these dogs, they breed these dogs as sheep dogs. And what they do is they train them to go and drive after the animal. They usually, there's only one in this picture, there's usually a bunch. And so they're, they're barking and they're nipping at the heels and they're just pushing these animals from place to place. I need to go over here, great, send the dogs over there. I need them to go over there, send the dogs and drive them that way. And these sheep are always being pushed in their life. If you had a bigger pr- piece of property, then you'd see this, ATVs, quads, some kind of motorized device that because it was so expansive, they needed to actually drive these sheep. So you're being chased by a dog. It's barking at you. It's nipping at your heels. You're a sheep, first of all. <laughs> you, have, you have ATVs chasing after you. Like, sucks to be one of those sheep, right? <laughs> like, anybody? Anybody want to be that? But God has a different plan. God thinks of this. A man that goes out ahead of his sheep. He's leading them. He's not behind them. He's not chasing them, but he's leading them. If you do research about shepherds, they say that the the sheep actually, the shepherd will name his sheep. Um, It's just him and the sheep. And so when they go on journeys, he talks to them. They know his voice. They intimately know his voice. Uh, the staff actually serves a dual purpose. It, you can walk with it. You can kind of do a little bit of herding. But if an animal were to attack, you have a weapon. And so a shepherd would go out and chase after or chase away or even kill an animal that was threatening his sheep. 
And then if they scattered, he would use his voice to bring them all back to him. At night, they, you know, they say that uh, they would make a sheepfold or some kind of area where he could get the crowd of sheep, and then he would be at the entrance. So if anything were to attack, he'd be right there. And the sheep actually took comfort in that. So this leading, this idea of leading us. Um, I love Jesus' description of himself as a shepherd. And we're going to go to John 10. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself, sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf come and runs for it, leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He's only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. He goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my own sheep know me. In the same way the father knows me and I know the father. I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen. I need to gather and bring them too. They'll also recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock and one shepherd. Now who wants to be part of that shepherd? That sheepfold, right? I think it's easy to say, well, yeah, that's, that's me. That's where I want to live. But God showed me that I'm over here. I'm being driven. I'm in the driven. I've got dogs and ATVs chasing after me. And that although I want to be led, I can't when I'm being chased. So this morning, as we continue, I wonder if there's dogs in your life that chase you. The first dog I want to talk about this morning is busyness. We need to slow down, church. We live in an area of the Seattle and Bellevue area that is crazy. You go, to, you go downtown on any given day, and it's bananas. And there's just taxis and cars and meetings, and, you know, I used to work at Microsoft, and that was chaos. I mean, there's just people everywhere, eating at your desk, running to a meeting, doing this, running errands, getting the dry clean, going to soccer games, you know, everything. We need to slow down. I was a teenage boy that had everything going on. I had youth group, I had school, I had friends. I had all these things. I had a job. And that pastor took me on that retreat to slow me down. I think a way to look at it is we live our lives like race cars. NASCAR fans? John Batterman, I'm looking for you. Oh, and Lori, all right. So I, if I get home after church and it's on, I'll watch it because there's two things I love. Number one, massive wrecks. <laughs> now listen, <laughs> I don't want people to get hurt, right? But there's something about 20 cars doing 150 just going, ah, oh, crap, and just going all over the place and crashing into each other, right? It's awesome. It's just out of nowhere. The second thing that happens that's kind of fun to watch is this. Pit stops. So check this out. This guy's doing tires. Guy over here is filling up gas. Probably, I think, a second one comes in. I was talking to John Batterman, expert, by the way. Um, sometimes you see them, not in this video, but they have a brush and they're scrubbing the front of the car. And that's because, like, stuff clogs the vents, and so they need airflow, right? And uh, other things they do is they have this crazy thing where on the windshield, you see a guy will, like, rip off a piece of film. Well, that's because they have all this film on the windshield, so when it gets dirty, they just rip it off, and then you get a clear view again. And so this happens multiple times through a race. And it needs to happen for a reason. If the car didn't come in and slow down for a second and pit, it couldn't continue. Because inevitably it would run out of gas, 
the tires would fall off and it'd wreck, and then I'd be happy. Uh, the engine would blow up, ah, it's scary for the driver. But it needs that downtime, okay? Now granted, this isn't like the best sermon illustration because that happens, John, what's the fastest ever? 12 seconds. They just did all that in 12, four tires, ga I can't even pump gas in 12 seconds, right? They changed four tires. It would take me like a day. The race would be over, all right? I don't even know. But that, that happens in 14 seconds. Now granted, I'm not saying, hey, your Devo times can be 14 seconds, but it's the principle of slowing down to continue the race. Another way I think to look at it is basketball players. Anybody? No? Okay, me. Oh, yes, all right. My buddy will. Uh, I, I lived in this apartment with my mom, and it had a gym, a really nice gym. And every night they would do pickup games of basketball. And so I'd rush to my homework and want to go play basketball every night. And I got pretty good for a while. I was actually a decent player. You know, you play enough. And this cool thing happens when you play basketball, and they call it being in the zone. And it's different for everybody. Um, so I'll tell you about mine. When, I'm in the, when I got in the zone on those rare occasions, the basketball hoop was like this big. Like I just, I couldn't miss. And my team knew that, like give out on the ball, he cannot miss. But another cool thing happens, um, when you come up the court with the ball, everything slows down when you're in the zone. It's really weird, I can't describe it like, you know, like I can't show it to you. But everything slows down. And you can kind of see like where your players are at and where the, your, you know, the opponent's at. You can see lanes begin to develop. Like everything just kind of becomes more clear. And so I know, like, I can drive, or I can pass, or I can, sh like, I just, I know it. And that's like devos for me. When I get into the Word, when I'm prepping a message for, for a youth group, I have that, that pit stop time. It's like God's like, hey, look at this. Look at this little speed bump. Psalm 23.1, look at that. Let's talk about that for a second. And so he showed me, Adam, slow down. Just slow down. Great. All right, one dog, slowing down. All right, you got it, God. Well, there's always more. Depression. So after my divorce, I told you I went into that, that time, that just that really sad time. Not knowing what to do, not wanting to listen to anyone, just stuck in it. I, I, I tell people, <laughs> these group, I got stuck in my own poop in life. I just, I didn't want to get out of it. It was just easier to sit there with that Eeyore attitude. Um, like my friend Bubbles here. Oh. Okay, it doesn't get up. <laughs> it just sits and poops. Exhibit A. They just start losing. Bubbles, you Can just poop. One. You should yeah, probably move. So it's funny, right? The sheep's pooping and just sitting there. Like, come on. What was he doing? Why? Why was he just laying there? Like, get up! Right? Like, when Jackson poops, he wants out of that diaper ASAP. Like, he does not want to hang out in that diaper. Right? Someone tell me how to play train my kid. But for now, he just sits in it. Or he doesn't want to sit. He just wants to get out. But Bubbles, and I'm like, and I, you hear me, Bubbles, you should probably get up. You're pooping. I think, looking back, that I had friends that did that for me. I said, Adam, we got to get out of this, man. And I just did that. I just laid in it. I think if, 
if Bubbles' owner or shepherd that was sitting there had called Bubbles, I think it would have gotten up. Because Bubbles knows that voice. Well, where was that voice in my life? Where was God? Why wasn't he speaking to me? I needed to get out of this. Why? I think he was, and I just wasn't listening. Now I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm vulnerable. Perfect time for this dog to enter. Wolves are funny. You know the term lone wolf? It's actually an oxymoron because wolves travel in packs, so why would you want to be a lone wolf? But it doesn't make sense. But the funny thing about wolves is when they hunt, they, like I said, they go out in groups and they actually communicate with each other. They bark and wherever they, however they communicate with each other. And when they go after a pack, we'll just uh, deer for this instance, right? They communicate and they try to find the, the, the weakest, the slowest, the injured out of that pack and they begin to kind of push that away from the rest of the herd as they run away because there's safety in numbers. And so what the wolves do is they say, let's get this guy by himself, and he's easier to, to kill. And that's what was happening to me. I was hurt, angry, and now I'm being isolated from my community. Well played, Satan. But God had a different idea. God never left me. He wasn't willing to let go. Matthew 18. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what would he do? Wouldn't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. I'm so thankful God didn't give up on me. I'm so thankful that he went after that one. I'm so thankful that he sent my friend Jenny to me, someone I would listen to. A friend that knew what I was going through and wanted to bring me back. Can I just say, if you're that friend, don't give up. Don't stop inviting them to church. Don't stop speaking into their lives, please. My journey back has been fun. I met a great church family. I met some really good friends. I got a really cool wife named Joy. Um, if you know Joy and I, I straight up, I married up. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> My wife is, amen? My wife is awesome. Uh, so I don't know what I did but um, to get to serve her. But. but other things started happening the more I started getting involved in like Sam. He began to speak to me more. When I, uh, years back, Steph took a, a group of college kids to Guatemala on a mission trip. And so we were downstairs in the youth room praying for them. And as we were praying, this weird picture came into my head. And I know Jesse alluded to that as well. And it was this airplane on fire. And I was like, what? But what was cool is then the, the movie in my head kept playing. And the, the airplane landed in Guatemala. And that fire began to spread out to the city. And as the people got off the airplane, as my team got off the airplane, they began to spread that fire. And I was like, well, I'm not sharing that. That is ridiculous. You know, like, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, this is crazy. What is this? And God had a different idea. And so he began to just really, like, press it on my heart, like, almost squeezing my heart with the burden of sharing this, to the point I was crying. So now I'm up here like, I don't know what to do. I just feel like I should share this. And da 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 <laughs> Right? 
And that was it. And everyone's like, well, amen, I guess, you know. And uh, so we prayed, and they went out, and I forgot all about it. Life went on. And a couple weeks later, when they came back, uh, Steph made it a point to find me. And she said, I need you to know something. Everything that you prayed for came true. What? God spoke to me? Wow. A couple years after that, um, Troy took us on a leaders retreat to Ocean Shores. And just kind of leadership skills, we spent some time team building. And what does Troy do? Sends us on a prayer walk the next morning. <laughs> no problem. Headphones, got some cold play, some chill music. And I headed down, and I was, I was fine. I'm not like Sam now. Things are great. And then I thought, huh, I haven't actually heard God in a while. And at the time, I had a, a small group of, of men I was working with. And so I just began to pray, you know what, God? I need to hear something for these men. You know, what do you want to tell them? What do you want to tell me? What do you want to tell our youth ministry? And so that was my prayer for a while. And, and I found this cool spot where the there was like this river that kind of flows into the ocean. And I was walking, and I liked it because, you know, if you've been to our Washington beaches, they're not like California. Right, Jesse? We don't have sand that much here. It's rocks. But it was just cool because it was like this big sandy place. And I was walking along praying, and uh, this white speck caught my eye. And so I walked over and uh, dug it out, and I found this. And as you can see, inside of it is an even smaller one. And God spoke again. He said, Adam, remember? Remember what it was like when I first spoke to you? Adam, I'm always speaking. I'm always leading you. You just have to listen. Remember? Last week, Jesse spoke, and uh, I have to apologize in advance, but he had a slide up. And God lightning bolted me to the point where I actually tuned out of your sermon. I'm really sorry. I need to have actually finished watching it. But he spoke to me about this slide. He showed me our first value, Sunday church and devotionals. Yeah, God brought me to those. He brought me hurting to a church that would accept me, that wouldn't judge me, that liked me for who I was. I got into reading the word again. I got that excitement again. I pit stopped with him a lot, and he spoke to me. Small groups and threefolds, oh, instantly, Instantly, I was in a, in a community of, of college and young professionals that to this day, though they moved to California and abandoned me, I still love them. I still love them. Threefold. I'm in a twofold. That's close. Right? That's the kind of flock. So far, this is what we should be a part of, church. We should be excited to be in this kind of flock. And it's these two that have led me to the third one, serving in outreach. Justine did a too kind job of describing the things I get to do. So I want to say, I get to do fun things at this church. I've done sound. Um, I serve on our worship steering team with six amazing people. And we get to guide and shape, with the Lord's leading, the worship ministry at Lake Sam. 
I also serve on our youth steering team, as, as Justine said. I don't know how many of us are on that team. Five? There's a lot. It's hard. It's a lot of meetings. But I get to do it, you guys. I get to preach to young people often. In three hours or so, I head back out to that camp that Justine said. And for this eighth year now, I get to work with, uh, it's going to be 220 high school students. And I get to be the camp pastor for over 60 leaders and cabin leaders and daily do devotions for them every day. No, and I'm, thank you. But I want to say I don't talk about that because look how cool I am. But because I get to do this, you guys. Because I'm living these values. Because I listened to a God that spoke to me, and he led me to these values. And even, even last week, spoke to me and reminded me of that. But I don't think that this is my thing. This is my dogs. These are my stories. I think we all get to live this. And jumping back in Psalm 23, we see promises that God has. That dog of busyness, Psalm 23 too. He lets me rest in green meadows and leads me beside still waters. Slow down. Sit in that still water with him. Sit in that green meadow with him. That dog of depression, Psalm 23.3, Even when I walk through the darkest valleys, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort and protect me. Do they drive me? Do they push me? Do they chase me? No. They comfort and protect me. They lead me. Amen? Finally, this dog of isolation. And I love this one. Psalm 23.6, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. How many? All. all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, God. This has not been, as Justine said, the greatest journey of my life. But man, am I thankful for it. Am I thankful that I'm not driven as much? There's still dogs out there. They don't go away. But I know now to listen to the voice of my shepherd. It may have had ups and downs, but I think through living those values, I've become a better person, I would hope. And God gave me a little reward. I love those guys. I don't know if I'd been driven, if I could have that. I want to invite Pam up and uh, help me out, Pam. Um, I want to take a moment. Um, I have something for you. Um, yeah. And I've asked some people that I'm in community with to help as well. But I have shells for each of you. A reminder that we're not called to be driven. but we're called to be led by our shepherd. And so I'm going to ask my friends, I'll take the center section here. And now if you could pass those out and just take some time with God. Identify those dogs in your life that drive you. We're going to have a, a, a ministry time here and then Justine will come up and, and lead us in some communion together as a body. So God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you want to lead us. God, that you're a shepherd. That God, that you don't desire us to be driven through life away from you, isolated, in pain, busy.
But God, you're constantly speaking to us. So God, as we walk out, as we look at the shell, God, may it be a reminder, a daily reminder of you as our shepherd, the good shepherd. In Jesus' precious and holy name.